Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski, and a surprise guest today. John, why don't you say hi and introduce us to our guest? Hey, Jim. It's good to be with you today, and we're, I'm very excited to have with us Sean Nemechek. Sean is uh, has become a friend of mine uh, through... Uh, through electronic means, you know, mm-hmm. through texting and and email and things like that. I don't. Sean and I have never sat down uh, together and 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 talked, but we're looking forward to doing that one day. Uh, Sean is uh, the regional director in West Michigan for the ministry called Pastor in Residence, and uh, his focus there is coaching pastors through burnout and recovery. And uh, we're so excited about. Not about burnout and recovery. We're excited about guys that are helping leaders <laughs> mm-hmm. with burnout and recovery. And and before uh, joining uh, Pastors and Residents Ministry, Sean served as a pastor in a local church for almost 18 years. He's married uh, to his wife, Amy, and they have one son. And Sean, we want to just welcome you today to the podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks, Jim. It's a great pleasure to be with you. I love your podcast. Yeah, Great. Sean was telling me before that he uh, he 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 thinks uh, our podcast is in his top three, and I felt very honored that he feels that wow. way. Wow! Yeah, um, about it. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, before we get honored, do you have more than three podcasts that you listen to? I guess we should be clear about that. Oh yeah, I got a okay, full slate of them. Yeah, you guys are you guys are one of my tops. <laughs> good, we'll take it then. <laughs> so funny. So Sean, we always like to ask our the guests that come to our podcast to tell us about their story, you know, how they came to Christ. Cause we're, I never get tired of listening to right. a person's conversion story. And so would you tell us uh, a little bit about how you came to Jesus? Yeah. My, my conversion story happened when I was really young. Um, my dad was a pastor um, and um, I can't remember where my parents had gone. They were out for the evening and I had a babysitter over and she asked me one of those evangelism explosion questions you know, uh, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? It's kind of a heady question for a kindergartner to to answer. Uh, so I had no idea what the answer to that question was. But when my parents came home, I asked my dad. I figured he'd know if anybody knew. Um, and uh, he very gently and carefully explained the gospel to me. And and uh, I gave my life to Christ right there uh, on our living room couch. Now, being a pastor's kid, you know, generally a good kid most of the time, um, it wasn't really until my late high school years um, that I really had that crisis of faith that many of us go through and had to make what was my parents' faith my own. And mm-hmm. so in some ways, that was like a, almost a second conversion for me where mm-hmm. where my faith really became real and deep uh, and serious. Um and and so both of those stories are are kind of connected for me. Yeah, love it. I love it. it's funny. I, it, it's hard to imagine now, but I, I tell young people like it was not at all uncommon during those four spiritual laws, evangelism explosion days. Someone would go to work at the factory and come home born again. Like that mm-hmm. that was just a normal part of of the revival, the Jesus Revolution, as they call it today, that was yeah. going on in America. So you you went from the, a pastor's kid, salvation, teenage years. You you go into ministry. Tell us about that pastoral call. That that you know that 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 moment that you know I, I 
I, nobody does this for the money and the fame, right? There's got to be a moment where this this is a good idea or a God idea. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, I'm a third generation pastor. So my my dad grew up in a pastor's home and he said, I will never become a pastor. Well, I knew that didn't work. So I, I, I didn't ever say that. Um, but I think that was kind of my attitude is I really don't want to become a pastor. Um, yeah. And then in my my freshman year at uh, Calvin College, I had a class with uh, Chaplain Dale Cooper, just a wonderful man. And he was just taking us through basics of Christian worldview. And uh, I just, every time I talk theology, I talk scripture, I just light up. I love it. Um, And uh, it was through that class and through some conversations with uh, Chaplain Cooper that um, we discerned together um, that ministry was probably the best use of the gifts that God had given me. Um, It was still a couple of years before I was willing to fully submit to that. Um, but that's that's where that call only a couple of years. That's all it took. Well, <laughs> yeah, there were some things that that I went through uh, actually kind of related to that that led to mm-hmm. a time of depression, um, mm-hmm. largely because I was I was resisting God's call for a while. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, God God brought me around through some pain, um, but it was mm-hmm. it was a good good experience for me, a deepening experience. Yeah. And and you know it just kind of sets us up for uh, the next yeah. the next question, uh, Sean. You've written an amazing book called the uh, The Weary Leader's Guide to Burnout, and that's that's this one's hot off the presses. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Jim and I have read your book, and uh, boy, it it is such a wonderful wonderful yeah. book. We we know that um, that burnout. And at least in my opinion, and I again take it with a grain of salt. Everybody who's listening or watching, I I have never seen the level of burnout among pastors that I see now. Uh, I was telling Sean before we started recording that um, I I have a, t- a talk that I've developed on on burnout, and I'm I mean I'm getting that talk is being requested more often than it ever has been, and so Sean has written uh this wonderful book the weary leader's guide to burnout and the uh, and i like the subtitle a journey from exhaustion to wholeness so good jim's holding it up for those of you that are watching my video i'm the, I'm the vanna white i'm the vanna white of the <laughs> coaching so sean um in your books forward glenn packiam shares a series of reports from barna that asked pastors you know, if they had seriously considered quitting the ministry. And this is, I believe, in uh, 2022. I think this is where these numbers come from. Can you share those stats with us? Yeah, I've got got them right here in the book. It's interesting. Over a 16-month period, they asked the same question three times. Uh, The first time was uh, in January of 2021, and 29% of pastors at that point said that they were seriously considering quitting. Um, just a few months later, uh, in October of 2021, they asked again, and the number jumped from 29% to 38%. Mm. Uh, so a 9% increase in just 10 months. Uh, they asked it again in April of 2022, and the number had jumped to 43%, so an additional 5%. So in 16 months, that number jumped uh, by 14% um, yeah. from 
29% to 43%. That's that's dramatic. Yeah. Of course, we all know what we were all going through during that time. And yeah. uh, I, I think those numbers are, are still holding, though. Uh, there's still a lot of pastors who are seriously considering quitting at this point. And Sean, I just read this morning, uh, something came into my inbox from Barna, and they're saying 40% of pastors are not serious, not just seriously quitting the ministry, but 40% are burned out. Mm-hmm. And, and in 2015, that number was 11%. Wow. It's gone from 11% in 2015 to 40% at the end of 2022. It's just staggering. I don't know if that bothers anybody, but it, <laughs> it staggers me. Yeah, it's an yeah. amazing number, isn't it? I think one of the things that I see happening is we're talking about burnout more often. So there's more awareness around it. Yes. Uh, but there's also way more conflict in the things that lead to burnout present yeah. in our culture and in our churches. Yeah. yeah, it was such a disappointing season. And I think for, for me personally, and a lot of people I talk to, that word disappointing is, that, that's the reason for the drain. That's, you know, yeah. you define uh, burnout as more going out than is coming in emotionally, spiritually, physically. And that that thought that I've, I've given my life to this, I've sacrificed for this, I die for this, I live for this. And now this is being treated by people you know, I love uh, as if it were the enemy uh, or I'm the enemy or my, my views are not valid. Trust is broken. People go that, you know, in different directions. It really was, a, uh, I, I think, a unique time in human history. But I think equally disappointing is the thought that when this is over with, things will go back to normal. And that's not what's happening. What's happening is normal is now we don't even know how many people attend our church anymore because how frequently they attend has something to do with it. How many watch online has something to do with it. You know, it, it's just uh, it's almost better if we just landed today and didn't have all the history to compare it to. Then today might be OK. But we do have history to compare it to and expectations and things. So I I, I know personally and I know, John, we've talked to a lot of people, man, it, it's it's been a tough season. Um, but I, I know that you have your own story that this is pre-COVID and pre you know, all these other things. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, you're qualified to write this book for so many reasons. You, you speak with such compassion and understanding. It's not just compassion. It's not just understanding. It's both. And so you, you have a story, Sean. Would you share with us your story? Yeah, this is a big story. So um, I'm going to pare it down just for, to yeah. the, the basics if I can. Um, I, I started ministry in, uh, in 2021. Uh, and at the about a third way through my my um, seminary training. Um, and so I was in full-time ministry and traveling back and forth uh, 90 miles one way, two to three days a week for the rest of my uh, seminary training for the next six years. Um, in the middle of that, my mm-hmm. wife had a battle with breast cancer that was about 18 months long. Wow. Um, we had uh, conflict in the church from time to time, which is common um, among pastors. Um, but the things that really led to my burnout wasn't overwork. It wasn't, uh, you know, even the schooling, it was, uh, two things, uh, my lack of self-care and then the presence of a constant critic for the first 11 years of ministry. Um, I had, I had a guy who from day one, he did not want me to be his pastor. Uh, and he was doing everything he could 
to undermine wow. my ministry and even get me fired. Uh, and he had the ears of one of my deacons. Um, so uh, it was it was a lot. It, it got to a yeah. point where every Sunday I, I was looking over my shoulder wondering what this guy was going to say or, or those yeah. associated with him was going to say. This was a very, very small number of people within the church. Uh, yeah. Really, one or two, uh, but it, it became my whole world in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And then we experienced a, a death in the church of a young woman that was in a small group that I'd started leading. Um, she had just returned to Christ and was growing over this year. And while I was in a counseling session with her, with her brother, he got the call that she had been in a car accident, and they didn't know if she was going to make it. So I drove him to the hospital. It was there real time with the whole family. It was it was a deeply traumatic experience for me too. And I just felt something in my soul just say, God, I can't take any more death right now. Um, and over the next four years, things just got harder and harder. I was working harder than ever, but producing less. And so my board started to notice some of that stuff. Um, and rather than, than asking what's going on with you, you know, really compassionately asking, you know, some questions, they decided it was time to do a review of my performance and tell me all the different things that I needed to fix. Well, my critic got wind of that yeah. um, and launched an all-out attack to get me fired yeah. uh, and brought up a conversation that had happened nine years earlier that turned into an inquisition or what felt like an inquisition for me that lasted about three months. So I, by this time, I was in full-on hypervigilance. Uh, was yeah. I was very aware that there was something deeply broken in my soul. But at that point, I had no idea that burnout uh, was a thing. You know, okay. I, I had no language for it. <clears throat> right. Um, and so I spent the next year uh, reading as much material as I could to try and figure out what was going on. I read 86 books on leadership and self-care and things like that in that year. Yeah. Um and wow. finally, by the end of that time, I had a sense, oh, this is burnout, and now I know how to get out of it. But it took me another two to three years uh, before I really fully recovered. How did that story end? Did, did the, you describe it being kind of a, what we call a deacon-possessed church? You know, <laughs> what, what uh, did, did you go? Did he go? How did that, how did that story end? Yeah, so the Inquisition that I—it's I, really not an Inquisition. They—they they were doing their due diligence. It just felt like it from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, the board couldn't find anything that I had done wrong. Um, okay. They certainly said there were things I could have done differently, and which I totally agreed with. Um, but my critic ended up leaving the church in shame. And surprise, surprise, everything got immediately better. Uh, there oh, was there's more a unity shocker. in the church. <laughs> it was so much yeah. easier to lead all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, without that, I wouldn't have been able to recover and, and stay in the same place. Good. You know, um, I could just take that for a minute and, 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 and piggyback on what you just said, Sean. Yeah. It really troubles me the disproportionate amount of energy and time that leaders spend on people who are problems yeah. who will never be, who will never get over whatever their problem is. And, and instead of, you know, in your scenario, he, he left, you know, um, but there's a lot of scenarios I'm sure that of people who are listening and watching who that person is still there in their life. 
still causing problems. And uh, I remember, Jim, uh, many, many, many episodes ago, I don't know, we're on 185. This could have been episode 20. Yeah. Uh, saying, saying to, in in effect, saying to um, uh, this pastor friend of his, is that's the guy, am I your pastor? And if he can't answer that question, the, the following sentence is, life is too short for you to attend a church yeah. where somebody's not your pastor. Go find another church. And that seems harsh, maybe. That seems a little, that might seem a little abrupt. But, I, you know, in some ways, I've had it up to here with pastors who get beat up. Um, and they and and you said you said something that I really caught my attention. You said working harder and producing less, um, and 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 that's what burnout does, right? It yeah. Yeah. it really impacts your ability to work on the right things with the right amount of energy. So I'm really glad in your scenario. I'm sorry that it took so long, first of all, for that to unfold, but. I'm glad that it got resolved the way it did in the end. And and I just, I want to just speak to pastors today. If you've got a problem child or two, they seem, it seems like there's a million of them. If there's two that are really loud, um, get a coach in your life, get somebody yeah. in your life that will help you process what you should do, what you can do to deal with this. I hate to use the word cancer because that just seems so mean and cruel, but in some ways, organizationally, that's the effect, right? So I didn't mean to hijack it, but man, as you're talking, I can feel my temperature yeah. just rising. <laughs> can I piggyback on that a little bit, John? Please, that that yes. conversation that you mentioned, I had with this guy in right. That's what, that was that was the nine-year-ago conversation. That was the nine-year-ago conversation yeah. that he brought up. Yeah, the, yeah. In my situation, there were two things that that I could have done differently. Um, one is make sure the board was more informed with what was oh, going good. on and how this guy was affecting the church and recruited their help with him more. Uh, but even more important than that, and one of the things I want this book to help uh, pastors do is learn how not to carry those things personally uh, right. and, and recognize that uh, your critics, uh, when they bring these criticisms to you, 90% of the time, it's more about what's going on in their life than what you've done. Yes. Um, yeah. And so learning to respond with curiosity and security and from a place of security in Christ was, was all the, the difference for me. And um, it took me a long time to learn that. I had to go through burnout to learn those lessons. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, all right. Deep breath. So Deep cleansing breath, everybody. Deep <laughs> breath. Yes. Thank you for allowing me to vent on my own on my own show. Uh, I, a couple more questions. I, I've got one and then Jim's got one for you. Sean, in the intro to your book, you talk about compassion fatigue. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that I've heard that uh, before. I think I've definitely experienced that before, but can you unpack that idea for us? What is compa what is com compassion fatigue? Sure. It's a common term among uh, people who are in helping professions. So it's pastors, it's counselors, it's teachers, it can be people in the medical fields. Um, anyone who is in a helping role, um, if they lack enough of uh, 
basic self-care, soul care, uh, and they're constantly giving care to others who are in need, hearing yeah. their stories of yeah. pain, uh, even trauma, what happens is they just run out of compassion. They they find themselves in a place where they feel incredibly apathetic. Now, these are mm. normally deeply caring people. These are people yeah. who love others. And when you have somebody like that and they find themselves saying, I don't really care anymore. Right. That's a scary thing. That's a scary moment. Yeah. And so we ask, what's going on? What's wrong with me? Uh, why can't I generate this love for people that, that I should have? And really, it's just kind of a way our body is telling us, uh, you haven't been caring for yourself so that yeah. you can care for others well. Um, and so we've yeah. just depleted our resources. Um, often, compassion fatigue is called burnout for caregivers. Um, mm. And there's a lot of overlap between the two concepts. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, we have, we have to care that uh, you can't, anybody that fakes their way through a funeral or, you know, prayer or whatever, it just costs too much to fake it, right? You you know, maybe no one else knows, but you know, you're not being genuine. So what would you say, just kind of, just a quick sidebar, but uh, I had this happen. That's my yellow light, by the way, is that, that I don't feel anything. When I'm angry, I know what it feels like. When I'm sad, I know what it feels like. When I'm burned out, to me, it just feels like nothing. And maybe burnout's too, but I, when I'm getting that compassion fatigue, so I'll, I'll go to the hospital and I'll do the thing and I'll leave and I'll go eat my cheeseburger after lunch and, I, and I, I'm not affected by that. That's my yellow light. Like I should feel something called compassion. So is that something you take a couple of afternoons off and, and, and go play golf and you're okay? Or is, is that a yellow light or is that a red light when you can't feel other people's pain anymore? I think it's a red light. Um, yeah. it's, it's definitely one of those signs that you need to change your rhythms of work and rest. Rhythms, yeah. Um, the, the, it's really a, a change in your total approach to work that is necessary to overcome uh, yeah. compassion fatigue. And if it gets into burnout, it's even more necessary. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a red light because when we are deep into that, um, by that point, uh, we've gone so far down the road uh, that it's going to take a lot of rest, a lot right. of grief, a lot of uh, lament, maybe, uh, to really uh, return to that place where you can care again. Could could you almost like a Jeff Foxworthy? You know, you might be a redneck if. Could you do, <laughs> give us like a list of just just the major symptoms? You might be burned out if we've got that one: compassion fatigue lack of emotional connectivity to others. What, what else do you have on that list? So there's, there's four questions I use to ask to diagnose burnout. Um, okay. And these are, these are the top four, and then I'll give you a few others. Uh, first, you're feeling this deep fatigue. It's not just physical, it's emotional too. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes yeah. all the way to your bones. It's uh, the type of fatigue that a few days off isn't going to solve. Even a sabbatical won't solve this, this wow. deep fatigue. Um, second, is a lack of effectiveness in your work. Um, I said earlier, I was working harder than ever, but producing less. That's yeah. a classic sign of burnout. Uh, even uh, things that used to bring joy and, and came easily, now they're hard to do. Things yeah. that used to be minor annoyances are now huge mountains to cross. Um, yeah. yeah, so that lack of effectiveness is, is one of the major problems. Um, the third thing that I've noticed is just a, a sense of your uh, self is, is gone. 
Uh, when you mm. look in the mirror, uh, the person in the mirror looks different. It's, it's mm. like a stranger to you. Uh, uh, you no longer uh, know uh, what what drives your ministry. You maybe have lost your sense of calling. Uh, mm-hmm. you, quite often, uh, when I ask pastors who are in burnout, what brings you joy? They pause for the longest time and mm. then say, I don't know anymore. Mm. You know, yes. that's wow. that's a big one. Yeah. Um, and so, really, you've lost this sense of, of who you are, what gives life to you. Um, and then the, the fourth one is, uh, is there a sense of hopelessness or have you lost your optimism? Do you feel stuck? Um, and now by the time most pastors call me, they're starting to get some of that back because they know there's a problem and, and they've admitted there's a problem. Uh, but there's still some residual effects there. Now, on top of that, things that uh, you can you can look for, especially people in your life can look for, it's just general irritability. Yeah. Um, uh, small things uh, get to you more easily. Um, you might find uh, feeling depressed. You know, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, right. You might be having uh, physical symptoms like stress or tension in your shoulders and your back or um, digestive issues or any number of things like that. Um, your your whole body is involved in burnout. Yeah. And if you listen to your body, there's a lot of signals that it's telling, it's sending you headaches, tension, um, those types of things are are common indicators that there's something seriously wrong. In your book, you mentioned uh, toothache. And I I thought that's funny because that's my, that's one of my things. I'm I'm tense. I'm biting down Mm -hmm. and I'm actually causing jaw fatigue, headache, stress headaches. And and what's funny is anybody looking at me wouldn't know. I'm hating this meeting right now, or I'm I'm dreading mm-hmm. the conversation setting because it's, you know, I I can look at yourself when I close my mouth, I just you know you, you clench all up, and that's that would be a symptom. That'd be a sign for me to take a deep breath, relax your jaw, you know, think of find your happy place, think about golfing. Yeah. I don't even like <laughs> golfing. It's got to be better than meeting. Oh, uh, golfing makes me clench my teeth, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I can waste time and try not to cuss. Yeah, a lot less money than golf. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, but one of the questions yeah. I often ask pastors is, is is your tongue pressed to the roof of your mouth right now? Mm-hmm. Um, is mm-hmm. your is your jaw clenched? <laughs> uh, are are your, your fists uh, yeah. tight? You know, just yeah. noticing where that tension is in your body uh, is is a major thing. Yeah, yeah. Not since you finished the story about the deacon I, during that time. That John and I were both. <laughs> I, I was right? definitely we both were. Yeah, I definitely was work. jaw clenched. <laughs> but that's that that's that defensive thing, right? Because we've seen yeah. how much damage is done in yeah. abusive relationships and people un, unable, incapable, uneducated, unprepared for the realities of of leading through that circumstance. So it's just how how one man can destroy another man's life, which would go ministry and marriage and you know, how one or two people want to sound like they're 10 to 20% of the people so they can get 80% your attention and your time. And mm-hmm. I, I remember there was times when I was going through this where I would I would think about writing a, a, a word in my message that I thought God had given me, but I thought, well, no, because, you know, brother Bag of Donuts and sister Coleslaw, they're not going to like this. And they would be upset by that line. I got to find another way to say it. So I wasn't preaching to the congregation. I was trying not to irritate a couple wolves. And mm-hmm. boy, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I really feel that. John, you got any closing thoughts? Um, well, first of all, Sean, would you join us for another conversation? Because this, yeah. uh, I, I think yeah, we're just absolutely. getting started here. That sounds like fun. Okay. Yeah, great. Jim, why don't you wrap us up? 
Okay, I, and I guess I, I would I would come back to you, Sean, to wrap it up. Let's just say this: someone's listening right now. They saw the title of it. They pressed that button because you're here talking about this. What would you just talk to that person, and then I'll wrap us up after that. What What do they need? Someone? What 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 would you wish somebody would have told you um, when you were going through this? Yeah, I w- I wish uh, pastors would hear that you don't have to panic when you find yourself in burnout. Uh, this may actually be a gift from God uh, that quite yeah. often uh, there are there are leaders like myself who need a certain amount of pain before they can recognize the need to change. And if you've recognized that pain and that need to change, that's a really good thing. And there's a lot of hope in that, um, that if you're willing to do the work, um, three to six months, you'll probably be feeling better. It'll probably take two to five years before you're fully recovered. But on the other side of burnout recovery, you'll be a better leader than you ever were before. Uh, and that's that's the the hope of this situation. Right on. Thanks, John. I, I think if you, if you look at all three of us and say, what do these three men have in common besides our barber? Uh, you, know, <laughs> you, you find out that, that we've all been through burnout. Yeah. And, and so I, I and, and one of the things that we all care about is those who are on, on the other side of that fence. That are suffering right now. So again, dear listeners, dear watchers, hear us. If you're going through this, I, I think we're all a testimony that you don't have to live there. It may feel real, um, but it isn't an ultimate reality. It's it's a it's a sidelined reality. There's an ultimate reality back with health and wellness. And you've heard us say it uh, by now hundreds of times. You know, work, uh, rest, rhythms, taking good care of yourself, laughing, having friendship, taking your day off protecting your marriage, loving your kids. These are all things that, that help us. And you find yourself on the wrong end of those things. It's not like it's irreversible. It, we are evidence. It is reversible. You'll enjoy it. It's worth it. You say, man, six months and two to five years, I, I don't want to get out of bed. Like, listen, just if you start walking in the right direction, you'll end in the right place. So please mm-hmm. today, um, if we can help you at Converge, uh, convergecoach.com, there's a, there's a connect link right there. Let's, let's have a conversation. We'll, and we can help you. We'll, we'll, we'll help you find someone who can. And Sean, if someone wants to get a hold of you or get a hold of this fantastic book, how would they do that? Yeah, they can uh, find more about the book at wearyleadersguide.com. Okay. Uh, and they can reach out to me at seannemichek.com. Nemichek, N-E-M-E-C-E-K. Nemichek, common spelling. Just like me again, <laughs> common spelling. No one can spell it, but there it is. All right. Well, God bless you, our dear watchers and listeners. We're praying for you, and we're going to pick this up again next week. Tell a friend, because if you don't need this today, congratulations, but you're going to need it at some point. So let's get the word out, and we'll see you next week as we all continue to lead from alignment.